Father, I know what you want to say to your people today. I pray that I would get out of the way and that your spirit would speak through your words. Your words bring life. They bring instruction, correction, exhortation, edification, and comfort. Holy Spirit, apply your word today to these people that they may receive from you fresh bread, that their lives may be transformed. I mean, really changed. I mean, really challenged. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, you just said you want to be challenged. (laughs) This is a very important series for your Christian life, for your work life. But I want you to primarily put on the hat, which is far more important than your secular life, your Christian life. I've entitled today's message, Knowing What Matters Most. And we're going to talk about, and have been already talking about, four skills that you need to succeed in God's plan. That's the most important thing. If you do everything else well and you blow God's plan, it's a waste of time. Four skills that you're going to need to fulfill God's plan in your life. Guarantee this, take it to the bank, and bank it. You're going to need this. Our theme verse for this series has been Ecclesiastes 10.10. Remember, outside my house, I've got a lot of trees on my property. You ever try to chop those down with a blunt axe? Oh my goodness, it is hard yards. The Bible says, if the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength slash sweat is required. But skill will bring success. Let's saying again, you don't want to be working harder necessarily. You want to be working smarter. You want to be working smarter in your life, not being fatigued all the time and being exhausted all the time and being zapped of energy all the time. There's something wrong with that. It's his skill. And the way you get this is you need to know what matters most. Because everything will say, Pick me, pick me, do this, do that. You'll be pulled in all sorts of directions, and the end result is you'll be fatigued. There'll be no time for much in your life. And next minute, your life's gone. Now, one of the keys to succeeding in life is that you have to be skilled. Desire is not enough. Let's just put it out there. Dedication, if I just do this long enough and hard enough, then I'll get success. No, that's not what the Bible says. Says you'll waste a lot of energy and a lot of time. That's part of it. That's part. But the Bible says clearly in this verse, you need the right skill to succeed. Don't ever underestimate that. Now today, I'm going to look at the second essential skill in pursuing God's purposes for your life. I can't think of a more important message to bring to you today. Knowing how to recognize what is important and what is conversely unimportant. And I can't tell you how few people have mastered this skill well. They're confused in a whirlwind of activity. They haven't figured out what matters, really matters, and what really doesn't matter. What is really valuable and what is not valuable. Have you noticed that there isn't enough time to do everything? Anybody notice that? (laughs) 
Funny that. Truth is, not everything is worth doing. Not everything is equally as important, and we forget that. The Bible says on, on the screen here, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. The Bible is saying there are many legitimate ways to spend your life, but be careful. You get one. It is easy to give first-class allegiance to second-class causes. That is a trap. Careful selection is the key to effectively using our lives for God's purposes. That's all I'm interested in. And lasting success. That's all I'm interested in. Not skyrocket stuff. And the good news is selection is a skill that you can learn. The fact is, every time that you make a decision, you are revealing unspoken values. Do you know what values are really controlling your life? Have you thought about that? Do you even know where you picked them up? Problem is, most people have never figured out what they are, where they came from, in terms of those values, and whether they're valid or not. So again, your unspoken values affect your stress, your success, and actually your salvation. Unclear values create confusion. I don't know what to do. Listen, simple tip. The clearer your values, the easier it is to make decisions. If you're indecisive, that's because your values aren't clear. First thought. Second, conflicting values. Oh, wife wants to do this. Husband wants to do this. Whoa, what does that create? Tension. Conflicting values create tension. Third, false values, and boy, you fall for this one often, create deception. Deception. And the wrong values cause dysfunction. Now, what I'm talking about today for the rest of your life. Super serious, this. See, a lot of values in our world aren't lasting values. They create tension. I can tell you they create disillusionment, confusion, disappointment, dismay, and dysfunction. So what I want to do today is I want to give you four clear questions. And I want you to write these down to evaluate, did you hear that word? Evaluate, let me say, evaluate, see, it's relating to values, evaluate your values. Four questions that will determine your values and your destiny. The first thing, which is primary, you have to figure out who is going to be my authority. My authority. It's a fundamental question in life. In other words, who and where do I get my values from? Now, there are many sources of values, but they're not all equally reliable. You can pick up values from your parents. You can pick them up from your peers. That's what they do. So, yeah, that's a cool thing to do. I'll do that. You can pick them up from school or books or magazines or TV or music. But the number one source of value consumption and influence today is the media, the movies, internet. And you, my friends, must decide 
the source that you will rely on. Because it's important, the source determines the quality. Poor source, poor values. So the first step, if you want to know what's important, is you have to decide where you're going to get your values from. Now, you've got really three options. That's all. Let's make it first real clear on the first point. Number one, my values can come from me, myself, moi. Myself. I'm going to depend upon my gut, how I feel about this, to know the right thing to do. However, the Bible clearly states in Jeremiah, and all the way through, I could have picked 20 verses that say this, but I chose one. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. That's what, that is a biblical, orthodox view. Who can understand it? In other words, given the right situation, the right circumstances, you'd be shocked at what you could do, and so would I. Now, Webster, who I particularly like, Noah Webster, his dictionary defines deception. So, excuse me, deceitful there, because it says the heart is deceitful, is to mislead in the wrong direction. See, so when something's deceitful, it misleads you in the wrong direction. Does your heart ever do that? Oh, yes. Let's just admit that. Just because you think something doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Proverbs 16.25 on the screen. There is a way that seems right to humans, but in the end it leads to death. You know, it's like driving down the road. Oh, I think this is the right way. Looks good. Yeah, I think it'll be before. Whoops, dead end. Seems right till you get to the end. No, it's not. The way that seems right may offer many easy options and require few sacrifices. However, if something seems right and requires few sacrifices, that should cause us to take a second look. If the solution's attractive because it doesn't change my lifestyle, that's possibly a concern because often the right choice, the choice Jesus would take, is the choice that requires self-sacrifice. See, our perceptions often lead to dead ends, and in the end... You and I will be dead. And how will your choices hold up then? Great clarifier. If I build my life that I'm the final authority of what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's false, what's good and what's bad, what's valuable, what I think is valuable, and what's not valuable, I'm on sinking sand. I've got to go to a source outside of myself that's got far more knowledge than I have, that's far more impartial and perfectly just than I am. Now, what you and I need is an authority bigger than ourselves that can see things the way they really are, that is not deceived. See what's really the truth. And truth is, what is truth? Let me ask you that question. It's very simple. It's that which corresponds to reality. Now, this is, thankfully, Jesus said this. He clarified a whole bunch of things. He said, for this reason, I was born. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is a nice sentence to remember. 
For this reason I was born. And I came into this world to testify to the truth. He came to tell us the truth. And that's why the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. So, first, the first possible source, me, is not potentially that reliable. If I'll be the source of my values, I'll determine what reality is. Not a good option. Second option, possible source, is the world. In other words, what does everybody else consider valuable? Hmm, what's she doing? Hmm, what's he own? Hmm, what's he investing in? What does everybody else think is valuable? If they consider it valuable, it must be valuable. Now, 1 John 2.15 says this. Don't love what the world offers and values. Don't love what the world offers and what it values. Those who love the world, those who love the world don't have the Father's love in them. For what the world values, and then he goes on to list three things. Look at them. Physical gratification, greed, which is flat out materialism, bald-faced, unashamed materialism. And thirdly, a prideful, self-centered life. It's all about me. And then he says, that doesn't come from God. Extremely clear. Somebody once said, it's not the things I don't understand about the Bible that bothers me. It's the things I do understand. I understand that, and that verse is bothering me. Deeply. Here are the three of the world's values. Let's make it real simple. Number one, looking good. That's about appearance. That's why billions are spent on beauty aids and surgeries. Yeah, and clothes and cars. Truth is, most of us aren't in the group of attractive superstars. We're just average looking. So the world tends to say, well, you're just not as valuable as the most beautiful people. Because they're the ones that get the picture on the front of certain magazines. The Bible says, no, stop. That is not what you should be valuing, what's important. That's not an important value. That's the truth. Number two. The second of the world's values. The world, uh, it's the feeling, feeling good. It's the pleasure. It's the sex-saturated culture that we have. Now, if you say, my number one goal in life is happiness, you, my friend, have bought into the world system of values. That says, happiness, feeling good, is more important than doing the right thing or the correct thing. That's a mistake. So the world system is looking good, appearance. Two, feeling good, that's pleasure and sex. And third value the world has is having the goods. Having the goods. That's materialism. That's money and wealth and riches and prosperity. We're conspicuous about our consumption. People like to show off clothes and homes and 
portfolios and toys. And what we tend to do is we tend to base our self-worth on our net worth. And we think that our value is connected to our valuables. It isn't. But that's what the world teaches. And all of a sudden, we think that the whole purpose of life is to look good, is to feel good, and to have the goods. And that is not at all what God put you on this planet for. I don't know how to say it any clearer than that. The third possible source is God's Word. God's Word is objective because it's written by an infallible author. And it's truthful. It doesn't change with the world's opinions. John 9, 8 says, If you continue in my word... Uh, by the way, notice the word continue. Circle continue. If you continue in my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, some of you set off the race well, and you were in God's word daily. Some of you, frankly, have dropped the ball. And today, God wants to say to you, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It won't bind you up. It'll set you free. It'll clarify your values. Your life will become simpler. Decision-making will become much more easy, much clearer. We're going to look at that in a minute. Now, what is the God? What is, so we see what the world says about those values, what, what they're pushing. Let's see what God says about those exact same values. How about appearance and beauty? Well, this is what God says in 1 Samuel. And I could have chosen many other verses. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. The accoutrements, the decorations, the house, how many bedrooms, how many swimming pools, whatever, whatever, whatever. He does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's what he says. Secondly, what does God say about making pleasure your highest value? He says that the pleasures of sin only last for a short time. Sure, there's some pleasure in the sin, but it's for a short time. You get your kick, but there'll be an enormous kickback. Third, what about wealth and materialism? Jesus says, again, real life is not measured by how much we own. It's irrelevant. It means nada. Zip. In other words, the greatest things in life aren't things. Never forget that. So the first question I need to ask is, who is going to be my authority? Myself? Pretty shaky. The world? That's just the opinion of the people which constantly changes. Or is it going to be God's word? Second question you need to ask in clarifying what's most important in your life for the kingdom of God's sake. What's going to last the longest? We really examine our values or question our perceptions until we hit a crisis. It usually takes a punch in the face, something really painful, just, whoa, what was that? To stop us in our tracks. It takes pain to get our attention. It's when you're in pain, you start saying, well, maybe you get fired. Just boom, out of the blue. You're in the cup. You're the next one. I just gave 50 years of my life to this company or whatever it may be. It's, it makes you stop and think, are my values really correct? Or well, maybe they weren't quite right. You know, you, when you're cruising through life, you never stop to ask the tough questions. Am I heading in the right direction? Is this a dead end? 
Am I seeing things correctly or am I deceiving myself? This is when it happens. When you have the rug pulled out under your feet, when you lose somebody close to you, maybe your spouse, unexpectedly, let's say 37, that'll jerk your chain. You have a health crisis. Like a friend of mine has got less than a 4% chance of living, and he was told, and he's about 38. That'll wake you up. You come home, and your wife's gone. You come home, and your kid committed suicide. All of a sudden, these value questions become really good. That doesn't matter a hell of beans, that stuff. You have a, a, an epiphany, a moment of clarity. What the heck have I been doing? Chasing rubbish. And all of a sudden, these value questions become clear, and you ask yourself, am I listening to what the world says, or have, have I been listening to what God says? Now, one of our greatest weaknesses in modern culture is short-term myopic thinking. And our society has taught us that all that matters is here and now. 50 years from matter, doesn't matter from today, it doesn't matter. A thousand years, who cares about that? Eternity and heaven, well, that certainly doesn't matter. All that matters is living here and now on what's right in front of me. And what we're doing is we're giving our allegiance to things that will not last. Yet the Bible says this in 1 John 2.17. The world, notice what's attached to this world here, and all of its desires will pass away. Temporal. But those who do the will of God will live forever. To live only for here and now, how incredibly short-sighted the Bible would call that foolish. In every temptation that comes your way on this area, it's not simply choosing between good and bad, right or wrong. Temptation often involves between choosing this, now or later. With my mouth, with my money or my schedule. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, we focus, now this is a really important verse. We focus, and this is the key to being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. We focus our attention not on what we can see around us, but on what we cannot see with our eyes. For everything we see is temporary and will only last for a short time. Value statement. But what is unseen will, is eternal and will last forever. These four questions will not only determine your success as a disciple of Jesus. Plus, you can use these in your work environment. But they will, eternal, they will determine your destiny. And I cannot be talking to you about anything more important than this today. Question number one, what's going to be my authority? Me, the world, or God? Number two, what's going to last the longest? Implication, I need to do less of what will last 
short term and more, invest more in my life and things that are long term. Because God has long term plans in the trillions of years you will spend in heaven. Trillions. We only get a blip on this earth. So God is thinking long term. And that will help me figure out what's going to matter most. The third clarifying question in, 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 in getting my values clarified is this. Will I choose what's easy or will I choose what's best? And we face this every single day of our lives. Will I live, here it is, here it is, here it is. Will I live in line with what I claim to believe? Will I live in line with that? Living by your values is called alignment or congruence or integrity. And a thousand times a day, you and I get a choice between what's easy and what's right. And yet George Gallup, in one of the surveys I was reading this week, said this. The number one source of stress that his survey came up with was incongruent values and lifestyle. Saying one thing, believing and saying one thing and doing another. What does that mean? It means we're not living what we say we believe. We're believing one thing and we act another. Question, will you, will I, live what we claim to believe? Because spiritual maturity is not just about what we know. It's about how quickly we change and react to God's word and to Spirit's prompting. I sense the Spirit of God is prompting and nudging some of your hearts. Now, four very practical areas that might need changing. I'm not saying they all will, but they might. If I'm serious about doing what matters most. The first one, living out what I believe in line with what I believe may require changing what I watch and what I read. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 37, Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Today, more people get their values from media than anywhere else. Go check A.C. Nielsen. I did a bit of calculating this week. I had to just check my numbers with Excel. I did it three ways to just check I got these numbers accurate. Straight from the Nielsen site. Let's assume that from 5 to 65, so I'm talking 60 years of your life, from the age of 5 to the age of 65, the average person in New Zealand, validated by A.C. Nielsen, has watched 22 and a half hours, uh, years worth of TV. You've watched eight hours a day for 22 and a half years watching the TV. Do the math. One area. That's, now, and now that's just the TV. If we add the internet in there, the Lord help us. Now, question. Here's a, here's, a, here's a crystal clear question. Do your media habits match what you say is important to you? Whilst you're thinking about that, let me just balance the equation of the TV that side. I said, let's suggest that you do one hour a day Bible study. Just one hour a day. 
365 days a year without missing one for 60 years. Engagement in the word of God is key to your success as a disciple and longevity. If you did that, that would only be seven and a half years of your entire life at as a day compared to 22 and a half on TV. Spot the difference. Do you fill your mind with as much scripture, as much truth as you do Netflix or Lightbox or Sky or internet surfing? Now, if you know these things in your life and everybody's different, are out of balance, maybe it's time for change to align your life with what you say. Number two, living your life out, living your life in line with what I believe may require for some of you changing friends. Can you think of any value that you hold that your friends would actively try to influence you in the wrong direction? Again, Exodus 23.2. Do not follow the crowd and doing wrong. Man, is that easy to do? You bet, especially for a whole bunch of them. It's like gravity. It's always easy to pull somebody down and to lift them up. 1 Corinthians 15.33 on the screen. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. That's why we encourage you to be involved in a small group. Number three, living out what I believe means changing how I spend the Lord's, bracket, my money. Here's a question. Are most of your dollars allocated to selfish things, or are you generous? Let me ask it again. Are most of your dollars allocated to selfish things for me, myself, my wife, my children, my family, or are you generous? Once you're thinking about that, I want you to just pop up that thought, the widow. Jesus was standing there watching what people were giving. They were watching. They used to have 13 boxes around the court of women in that temple, watching them. Some were putting large amounts, some were putting medium amounts. And all of a sudden, this woman came out, she put two copper coins in. It's called the widow's mite. He noticed that. That means that everybody can give something. Everybody. I'm concerned that my darling mother, pro rata, I'm going to have to step up my game significantly to pro rata my mother. Significantly. And we are moving. Each year we try and move forward in that. Question. One of the ways to analyze this is, do you give regularly and generously? Or are you giving irregularly and minimally? For those of you who've been on a road uh, Christian for a while, do you tithe? Or do you just give from a surplus? Jesus commended the widow who gave her might sacrificially in faith. That's what it means to live in line with your beliefs. Matthew 6:19. Do not store up treasures. What? That's not talking about your needs for your family. It's talking about the greeds. It says, don't store up treasures, notice that word, here on earth. Why? Because they'll erode away, maybe stolen. Store them up. Store what up? Store what up? Store the treasures up. Very clear, in heaven. There, they, what's they? The treasures, will never lose their value. 
Let me put it to those of you in the banking mindset. The way you wire funds to heaven is through giving. Our attitude towards giving is always a barometer of mature discipleship. Number four, living out what I believe may require changing how I treat other people. The Bible tells us that we are to use things and to love people. Too easy to get that reverse where we use people to get things. And our culture's value system says that you are only as valuable as you are useful to me. That's what the culture says. You are only as valuable as you are useful to me. But God says, don't, uh, God says, don't, don't think that way. All people and all lives are equally valuable. That's what he says, because he created them all. 2 Corinthians 5.16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Don't regard people from a worldly point of view. How valuable are you to me? If you asked how valuable are you to Jesus, that will change your outlook. What we see demonstrated by Jesus in the Bible is that if you want to become great in his kingdom, you need to become a what? A what? Okay, let's try that again. Okay. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, what does he say you have to be? You have to become like a a servant. Let's not forget that. Jesus then goes ahead and he puts a towel on his waist. He gets on his hands and knees and he washes the disciples' feet. The master of the universe. That wasn't below him. Remember that. Not like the world thinks. He says things like this. This is Jesus. No servant is greater than their master. Are you greater than Jesus? Am I? Of course not. Implication. Big implication. If as God's son, I do this, you should be able to serve just as much as I did. And he uses phrases like, if you want to be great in my kingdom, then you're going to have to become a servant of all. Now, would these four changes be easy? Of course not. So where do I get the power to live by, my val- uh, to live by these values? From Jesus. Philippians 14. This is what this really means. Not you can do anything. For example, I can't. People misuse this verse terribly. And one day, when they get to him, Jesus is going to say, why did you do that? I never said that. People use this verse and they twist it and say, I can do anything I want. No, you cannot. You can do what God wants you to do through the power of Christ. This isn't a self-serving verse. There's a reason why everybody does not love and live for Christ. You know what that reason is? It's easier. It's easier to be self-centered. It's easier to go the way of the world. It's easier to swim with the fish than swim upstream. And finally, the fourth question you need to ask when you're clarifying your values of what's really important, is it worth the price? You need to be clear about that. You see, everything in this life has a price tag. And any time you say yes to something, guess what? You are saying no to something else. Is the prize worth the price in following Christ, in doing the right thing, in doing the hard thing rather than the easy thing, 
in living for long-term reward rather than short-term relief. Jesus says this in Matthew 16. What profit is there if you gain the whole world? He's talking materially here. And you lose your eternal life. And some of you, I can hear you in in your head saying, well, I can do both. Be careful. Be very careful. What can be compared with the value of eternal life? That's a value statement right there. He's con- comparing value. Here, um, that's a value statement. Here's another one on the screen. Jesus is speaking again. The things that are considered of great value by people are worth nothing. Worth nothing. That's a value statement in God's sight. Nothing. Question. Do you want to live your life based on what people think are important? Or do you want to live your life based on what God thinks is important? Now here it gets to the real crux of it. Which of those two do you think is going to matter when you die? And you go into eternity and spend trillions upon trillions of years in eternity. Which is actually going to matter? People's opinions... Or what God has to say. God's truth. Mark 10 on the screen here. Says many people who seem to be important now. Will be the least important then in eternity. I said earlier that every temptation is a choice between short term relief and long term reward. But every temptation is also a choice between God or myself. Choosing what I want compared to choosing what God wants. Now some of you have been coming to New Hope for a while. And you've been thinking about becoming a Christian. And as your pastor who deeply is concerned for you and loves you. I just need to be real clear with you before you step across that line. And give your life to Jesus Christ. You cannot follow Jesus without a shift in your values and lifestyle. There's a word for that. You don't hear it very often these days. It's called repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. You cannot say, oh, I'll take Jesus for the fire insurance at the end in case things go south. But in the meantime... I will live like hell. I'll do what the heck I like with my life. I'll pursue my goals, my agenda, my plans. I want to choose what I want to do, not what the Bible says. I want to do what the world says is important. Success is this, success is that. Appearance and and, and, and values and materialism. And actually, I'm going to spend most of my life trying to look good, feel good, and have the goods. That's what I'm going to do. Can I just say, please don't bother accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That won't work. Because you're still Lord. Repentance means to change your mind. It means this, I used to think this was really important and value this, but now I don't. I think this is really important. That's what repentance is about. You cannot follow Jesus without repenting. You cannot follow Jesus without having a change in your value system. I want to close with this verse. Philippians 3, 7. And it reminded me, I've just been clearing out one of my old rooms. Well, actually, Helen's room. 
And as I got there, I pulled up these plaques. Achievers Club, Par Club, number one. All these sales awards, you know what they are, Martin. You know what I did with them? At once, I thought they were really important. I used to hang them up on my office wall so when people come in, they'd be impressed. I threw a whole lot of them, and you can see them. They're in my trailer right now, in the tip. They're in the trailer, going to the tip. How many jalapenos? Once, Paul says, I thought all these things, the things of the world, what the world values, prestige, power, positions, power, were so very important. But now, I consider them worthless. Because of what Christ has done for me, compared to that, that rubbish. Yes, everything else is worthless compared to the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have discarded everything else and counted it all as... Now, the actual Hebrew says... That's what it says. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'm just not putting that because they wouldn't understand that. They're listening on the internet. It is count but trash, horse manure. It literally means so that they may have him. Value statement. Let me close by giving you a new definition of success. It is not having the goods. It is not looking good and it is not feeling good. Success is living by the values that God will reward someday. Jim Elliott, the famous missionary, said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. That will determine your effectiveness as a disciple, your strength as a Christian, and your ultimate reward in heaven. Let's pray. Friends, possessions aren't going to last. So why spend your whole life trying to pile those up? Don't spend a second of your life chasing the popularity game and prestige and pleasure. Power isn't going to last either. But what is going to last is what God says. Let me pray for you, then I want, you, I want to ask you to pray with me. Lord, we've been seduced by the values of today's culture. It's hard to think clearly when we're constantly bombarded from magazines and the internet and, and friends and movies. It's so easy to think about having the goods, more goods, more houses, looking good, the clothes and the car, feeling good. So easy to think that's all life is about. It's just so peripheral, Lord, when we hold it up to your word. And Lord, it's so easy to assume that because we think or feel something, then it must be the truth. Help us to recalibrate our perceptions. Help us to trust the truth of your word, not the feelings we have. Now in your mind, just join me and pray in your mind. Would you say today, Father, I want my life to count. So I want to build my life on the values that will last for eternity. Forgive me for all the times the thought something else was true, simply because I felt it or I thought it or somebody else thought it. Would you help remind me that my brain doesn't always tell me the truth? Today, 
I want to settle the issue of the authority in my life. I want your word, your truth, to be the final authority of my values, not what culture says, not what friends say, or even what I expect of myself there. I want to choose long-term reward over short-term relief. I want my money, my time, my energy, and my mouth to be used for your kingdom. So Jesus Christ, give me the strength to choose what's best over what's easy, even if that means changing some friends or changing the time allocated to watching and reading other stuff or changing how I spend my money or changing how I treat others. Help me to know what matters most based on your word so that my life will matter for eternity. I humbly ask this in the powerful everlasting name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody said,